Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're over the hump, Blazers fans. This is the Believe in Trailblazers show. The Portland Trailblazers have won the World Championship. On Believe Podcast Network. Boom, chakalaka! Portland's number one sports podcast network. Now. The Blazers win in four overtime. Plus 40 to 137. Here's your host, Jordan Schultz. Well, we're officially past the halfway point in the NBA season. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you for episode three of Believe in Trailblazers on the Believe Podcast Network. Believe is Portland's number one sports podcast network. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Hey, if you have any burning questions about Rip City you want answered on the show, or if you heard something I said and want to tell me I'm crazy, hit me up on Twitter. It's at on the air Jordan with an O, J-O-R-D-O-N. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And guess what? We've got our first guest ever on the program this week, so let's dig right in. There is some big news first to tell you about this week. Yeah, the Blazers have pulled off a trade a couple of weeks before the deadline on February 6th. The main piece is someone we expected to go. We've talked about the first couple episodes on Believe in Trailblazers. Kent Bazemore is going to the Sacramento Kings along with Anthony Tolliver and two future second-round picks in 2024 and 25. In return, Portland gets veteran forward Trevor Ariza, a two-way player named Wenyan Gabriel out of Kentucky, and a familiar face in Caleb Swanigan, who, of course, the Blazers drafted 26th overall back in the 2017 draft. I tweeted out my reaction to this initially, which is I like it, but I don't. I mean, Bazemore was on an expiring deal, had played mediocre at best during his time in Portland. Tolly, someone who's good in the locker room, but was playing many more minutes than expected because of injury. So, so I like that, I guess, that they were able to rid themselves of some salary. The Blazers' luxury tax bill down to just $7 million. They score a couple of extra young bodies in Swanigan and Gabriel. I was really hopeful that Neil O'Shea could spin this expiring deal of Bazemore into a valuable player going forward. And it just seems like they're kind of in this endless equation still. I mean, Trevor Ariza just doesn't fit that bill of a valuable player. Obviously, he's not really someone expected to offer value. It's more of a a salary-shedding situation. And in my opinion, the GM basically said, I'm going to get rid of some salary for luxury tax, free agent reasons, and give another veteran in Ariza the same chance for the rest of the season on the Blazers as Bazemore got maybe to surprise Terry Stotts. Bazemore at 19 mil left this season. Ariza has 12. He's got a team option for an exit 12.8 mil, uh, but the Blazers can get out from under that by just paying a $1.8 million buyout, which I'm assuming Olshay will do. It's worth noting that Ariza has not been great this year. Uh, terrible numbers. 38% from three-point land. 35% uh, shooting, uh, no, 38% overall field goal shooting, 35% from three points, uh, scoring six a game. Uh, just a much different player than the impact guy we're used to seeing in Los Angeles, uh, his time in Houston as well. And, and if Caleb Swanigan is going to work out in the NBA, teams need to stop making him an experiment and decide what he's going to be. A stretch three or four that can rebound or a true five playing inside all the time. Which is it? So all in all, 
Blazers fans, this trade doesn't ruffle my skirt. And if I'm completely honest, I'm left frustrated that Neil O'Shea is in the position to have to trim this money for the luxury tax bill. And even more upset that they're still paying the price for that awful deal Neil O'Shea gave Evan Turner four years, $70 million in free agency. All right, now I've gotten that off my chest. It's time to get to our very first guest on the show. Joining us now on episode three of Believe in Trailblazers. He's in his first official season as the radio play-by-play voice of the Portland Trailblazers and someone I am very proud to call my friend. It's Travis Demers. Travis, thanks for spending a few minutes on the podcast and congratulations to you. How are you, man? I'm great, man. It's great to talk to you and uh, thank you for all the kind words. Thanks for thinking of me. Of course, man. Now there is nobody that I can think of associated with Blazers basketball that I would rather talk to. All right. Easy question one. How have you been settling into the gig full time and how are you enjoying Michael Holton as your partner? It it really seems like that you guys are having a good time calling games on the air together. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I was, my, my wife texted me this morning because we were, you know, it's, it's tough being away from you know, my wife and my son. And she's got a another, you know, she's pregnant again, so we've got another one on the way. And you know, she said, do you, do you still love it? And yeah, I, I, I pinch myself every day that this is my job. You know, I, I, I didn't think I'd have an opportunity to do this, and I, I wouldn't want to do anything else. And to be able to work with Michael, like, he, he's awesome. I, I learn a ton from him. Uh, he's fun to be around. It's it's great. I, I could not ask for anything better. So since this is your first full season as the radio play-by-play voice, could you give us an inside look at what it's like to be on the road with a team? I know there's a lot of travel. You got a lot of early mornings, late nights. The schedule in and out of airports must be grueling, although I'm sure those comfy five-star beds help, though. Uh, yeah, they, they definitely do. And that's part of the problem, though, is like you get in like last night, what do we get in around... I don't know. I think we got to the hotel around 2.30. And then you've got to wind down and everything. And, and you get into this comfy bed and you've got these, you know, blackout curtains in the room. And my wife called me at, you know, 11 o'clock. And I, I had no idea what time it was. I don't remember what city I was in, what time <laughs> zone I was in. And it's, it's dark in my room. And I'm thinking, why is she calling me at like 5 a.m.? Oh, no, it's 11. And <laughs> so just getting getting used to some of the grind is tough, you know, and then we're going to go and we're going to have a back-to-back here in Dallas and Oklahoma City. And, you know, I understand how, how tired I get, and I'm not the one out there playing basketball. So I I understand sometimes when, you know, at the end of a long road trip or maybe the first game back home or you know, the second night of a back-to-back on the road, how, how a team can have maybe not quite be as fresh. Well, let's just put it that way. I, I can understand that a little bit better now. It's a different perspective. No doubt gaining an appreciation for all those back-to-backs and extra travel when you're actually a part of it. Uh, we're talking with Travis Demers, radio play-by-play voice for the Portland Trailblazers on Episode 3 of Believe in Trailblazers. Uh, Travis, I want to start with their really great win over the Houston Rockets. It was 117-110. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers really surprising a lot of people. What was the biggest difference that you noticed in the Blazers during that game playing so well against Houston compared to when they lost, in my opinion, to teams that they should have beaten like the Miami Heat or the Minnesota Timberwolves? Yeah, I mean, you look at the game against Miami, they didn't have Jimmy Butler, uh, and they just bombed away from three. Uh, the game against Minnesota, they came, they got out to a, a hot start and then gave up a bunch of threes, and really over the last ten games, the defense has struggled the difference in Houston was defense. There's no question about it. The way that they attacked, they ran different 
know, versions of a zone. Yeah. And, you know, Michael Holton, you know, when we're, when we're talking about it during the break, he'll tell me, okay, this is what they're doing. This After the first break, he said, I need a few minutes to, to figure out the right way to explain what they're doing because we haven't seen this before. And they were double-teaming James Harden in a way that they haven't done before. Uh, and, you know, Terry Stiles doesn't do a lot of double-teams. So the way they were defending James Harden, you know, a lot of teams will – look at James Harden and say, you know he's going to get his and not let the other team, other guys in the team beat you. The difference against Houston was the Blazers are going to put all their attention on, on James Harden and will be willing to take their chances with other guys taking shots. And, yes, Eric Gordon hit, I think, five or six threes. Yeah. Um, you know, there were a couple of guys who had some, some big nights, but James Harden was held to a season-low 13 points, and he was held to the lowest total number of shots that he's taken in two years with 12. So putting all their attention on James Harden and limiting what he could do, especially in the second half, when you had you know, Russell Westbrook who was going off and doing some of the things that he did, they weren't going to let James Harden beat him. And I thought that's what the big difference was. So I know that the Blazers are a young team, but this team has been particularly terrible at one thing I've noticed this season, defending the pick and roll. Have you seen this as an issue? And if so, why do you think they're having so much trouble on something that I don't think is that complicated? I, I think it's a work in progress. I mean, you, you just look at the, the volume of players that have had to shuffle in and out of this lineup. Yeah. You know, it, it started obviously with no Yusuf Nurkic, but Zach Collins played basically three games and we haven't seen him since. And then Scalabissier, who really wasn't expected to play a ton, was forced into a role where he played a lot and then he started playing really well. Um, Anthony Tolliver has been getting a lot of time at five because there is no backup center right now. You've got Jalen Horde in there a little bit, Moses Brown, and really outside of Hassan Whiteside, there really aren't other bigs right now on this team. There, there were points against Milwaukee where Carmelo Anthony was playing center. So I think when, when you have guys that haven't played that position a lot defensively, there are going to be some struggles. And they're still trying to, and I know we're 42 games into the season, you can say, how, how is the team halfway through the year still trying to figure things out? But it seems like every handful of games, somebody else goes down with an injury and they have to reshuffle their lineups and, you know, change things up a little bit. So I think that's a part of it. And I think they're, they're still learning what these guys can do together. Carmelo Anthony was not supposed to be on the team. We yeah. talked about it, you know, back in, in October when they were talking about championship aspirations. So the roster just looks so different than anybody anticipated early in the season that there's, there's still a little bit of feeling out. And it's worth noting that last year compared to this year, the Portland Trailblazers' youngest player coming off the bench was a three-year veteran Jake Lehman. Then you add Al Farouk Amino and Mo Harkless to the list, and they know what they need to do in the NBA at that point in their careers to be those glue guys, to hit the three in the corner, to get those steals, the rebounds, add that extra effort at both ends, you know, just doing everything and complementing the scorers on the team. It's just really changed from last season to this season. So we're talking with Travis Demers, play-by-play voice of the Portland Trailblazers. He does the radio coverage along with Michael Holton. And Travis, you were just talking about big picture a second ago. And something regarding the big picture for the Blazers that's been on my mind of late is Carmelo Anthony. It might be too early to ask this question, but what are the chances you think Melo is back with the Blazers next year? Is he looking for that money, or is the loyalty that the Blazers showed him going to come into play? They were the team that brought him back into the NBA and gave him a second chance. What do you think? 
it's it's really hard to say because Carmelo has been really good for this team. He's done so many of the little things. You know, I mentioned it earlier. He's playing center, and he he's done everything. He hasn't been a distraction. He's his teammates love him. His coaches love him. He's been yeah. great with the media. He's been great with the fans. There's really nothing negative that you can say about Carmelo Anthony's you know time here in Portland so far. But what does that mean for next year? I don't know because. You expect to have Dame and CJ and Nurk and Zach Collins healthy. Anthony Simons coming off the bench eventually. Um, you know, Rodney Hood will be back. What other moves do they make? Do they keep Kent Bazemore? Do they trade us on Whiteside? Do they keep those guys? Who knows what they're going to do with that free agent money and what's available too? When you think about, you know, saving money for free agency, well, everybody rips on the, the free agent class of 2016. And all those four-year deals those guys got, those are the same guys essentially that are going to be free agents in 2020. Mm-hmm. So all of this money that you're allegedly going to have, which isn't as much as you think at the ballpark of 14 to 17 million now, you and everybody else who's free agents, who has you know, room for free agents, are going to be looking at the same players. And when it's the same class of guys that you know might go down as one of the worst free agent classes in NBA history, those are the same guys that are going to be available. So. I don't know that saving the money for free agency is the right way to go. And I don't know that Carmelo Anthony wants to play next year. It sounds like he does. I don't know where he wants to play. If he wants to stay where he is. I I think all of those things, I think if you're looking for it, you can find a justification for every single one of those possibilities. All right, Travis. Now I got to ask you about something that's kind of been bugging me all season. I've been watching different games against the Portland Trailblazers, and they'll be up by 16, but they just have trouble holding on to a big lead. I understand that the NBA is a game of runs, but specifically against the Charlotte Hornets, I saw the Blazers. They did end up winning, thankfully, but they were up by 16 going into the end of the first half and then start of the second half. Charlotte really quickly, within two minutes, I think, brought it to within four points, hit a bunch of threes. The Blazers missed really bad shots and had a turnover or two. Uh, Why has that been happening so often this season, Travis? Well, Charlotte takes a lot of threes. You want to go back to that game specifically. They missed two shots in the first couple of minutes of the third quarter, and Charlotte hits four threes after struggling from three in the first half. And it can happen like that in the NBA. It's just the NBA. So when you see a team go on a 12 nothing run because they hit four straight threes and you know they go four for six and you go 0 for two over a two-minute span, that's, that's something that just happens in the NBA. But I think you're also looking at something where, and we talk about this rotation, there are 10 healthy players. You know, If you want to add Mario Hazonia when he's healthy, you've got 11. And of those guys, you have a two-way player right now in Jalen Horde. You have a rookie who's still figuring out his way in the NBA in this year little. You've got a second-year player in Gary Trent Jr. who's still figuring out his way. So now you're left with basically seven guys, and that includes Anthony Simons, who's getting his first real minutes in the NBA. Anthony Tolliver, who has just been kind of a jack-of-all-trades and has played better of late. And then your starting unit. So when people look at this bench and say, well, this bench is struggling, who are the guys that are out there, right? And how much pressure do the starters have on them because they have to do everything? When Tolliver had those 16 points in the fourth quarter, the rest of the team had eight. And that's one of the reasons why they were able to hold on because it didn't have to be Dame. It didn't have to be CJ. It didn't have to be Carmelo Anthony. And then you look at the end of the game against Toronto. What do the Raptors do? Before the ball is even inbound, they double-team Dame. And then CJ gets the ball. He gets double-teamed, and the help defender gets beat, and that's when Carmelo Anthony got open. So having that third guy really made a difference in that game at the end on that final play against Toronto. 
But the starters are being asked to do so much right now that I think they're they're not going to admit it. Yeah. And I, I think at times they look like they're they're running out of gas a little bit. And in Minnesota, you know, the the final game of a long five game ten day road trip, you come out hot and you've got you know an eight point lead in the first quarter. Next thing you know, you're losing. You get blown out. That happens in the NBA sometimes. And, and yes, and there have been situations where where it's alarming and. You know, you look at the, the game against Utah the day after Christmas. They were down huge, but they, they worked their way back and yep. and got close before the, the Jazz ended up holding that off. I think it just has to do with so much being relied upon by just a couple of guys right now. And at times, you're not getting enough help, help from everybody. In Houston, you did. Uh, you did against Charlotte at the right times. Kent Bazemore came up with a big defensive play. Anthony Tolliver had the 16 fourth quarter points. Those are the nights when you can come up with a big win like they did against the Rockets. And I got to point out again that we really didn't expect the Portland Trailblazers roster to be in this situation right now at this point of the season. They had Pau Gasol on the roster to start. And, you know, back in October, you didn't think you were going to get injured like this. But, gosh, you were looking at a situation where if you did, it would have been a nice placeholder to have until, like, Nurkic comes back. But now they don't even have that. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's unfortunate. You know, they they expected. Uh, you know, when we talked to Pau Gasol on media day. He said he hoped to be ready by opening day. You know, he, he never played a, a minute in the Trailblazers uniform, and that they were expecting him to be available and to play and contribute. It just never happened, and then the injury started coming. And now, you know, if you if you count Pau Gasol and Scal and Zach Collins, you're looking at you know three of your front court guys that are not playing right now. And that hurts. And then Rodney Hood, you're starting small forward, tears his Achilles. And, 50% from and three before he went out. He was he was playing incredible. So you think about all the guys that you lose, it's not just you have guys in the starting lineup that aren't the players that they're replacing. It's the domino effect that, that creates. Now what happens to the bench? So instead of Anthony Simons maybe being the seventh or eighth guy, now he's the sixth guy. Instead of Anthony Tolliver being the fourth or fifth guy in your front court rotation, He's now your backup and sometimes starting center. And it just you're, you're asking guys to do things that you weren't expecting to have to ask them to do. So it, it puts them in a position where they have to be different players than there are. It just has a domino effect on everything. The one thing that, that I, I see with this team that I, I love is a lot of teams that are sitting there seven, eight, nine games under 500 around the middle point of the season, they quit. And this team isn't doing that. And, and sometimes you'll see the players talking on the floor with each other, and it doesn't look like it's the friendliest situation. But that's good because yeah. that's, that's guys holding each other accountable. And it makes them want to be better, be better for themselves, be better for each other. And it's, it's brought them together, and that's how they're able to win games like they were against Houston because they are holding each other accountable. And not a lot of teams will do that. Yeah, and I think that just speaks to the way that Terry Stotts goes about his approach as well. I think it starts at the very top with him and the way that he prepares to compete every night. It just trickles down from the coaches to the players. It, it absolutely does. And you know, from him to Damian Lillard, um, you know, CJ, Carmelo Anthony, just having another veteran presence, a guy who's been in the league for almost two decades. Um, you know, he's, he's a really smart basketball player. And you don't realize it until you see him every night. But just the, the things he does, having him around, uh, I think it's it's really helping out a lot of the young guys. Well, Travis, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to stop by Believe in Trailblazers. We've got to have you on again. Anytime, just let me know. 
All right, thanks again. That's Travis Demers, radio play-by-play voice of the Portland Trailblazers on Episode 3 of Believe in Trailblazers. Wave at him as he goes. All right, for this week in Blazers history, it's a feature that we do at the end of every podcast. We're going to quickly talk about the question that's come up recently concerning one of the franchise's best ever. Should the Portland Trailblazers retire number seven, which was worn by Brandon Roy? Brandon, who spent 2006 through 2011 playing for Portland, established himself as one of the top players in the NBA before his career was derailed by four knee surgeries. Jason Quick, he covers the Blazers for The Athletic, wrote up a fantastic piece. I mean, it was freaking awesome about how Roy dealt with leaving the NBA, why he stayed away from Portland for so long, and his path to happiness right now. Go sign up for The Athletic. It is totally worth it. And read Quick's spotlight piece on Brandon Roy. Uh, I'll make sure to tweet it out on the air, Jordan, with an O. A lot of Blazers fans out there that think he could have been the best of all time if his body held up really agree with me on that point. I think Brandon could have been one of the best ever. But those knee surgeries forcing his career uh, to be a lot shorter than he anticipated. His colleagues in the NBA shared that belief as well. Uh, take a listen to what Meta World Peace then run our test said about Brandon after the Houston Rockets beat the Portland Trailblazers in the first round of the playoffs back in 2009. Roy's probably the best player I've played against. To me, he's like he's, he's, he's the best shooting guard. Not on defense now. His defense is kind of suspect. But he's the best player I've played against. He's a better player than Kobe Bryant, a better player than LeBron James? He's the best player i played against. Are you saying that just because he's your opponent in this series? No, he's a, he is. He's the best player i played against. Even Kobe Bryant validated Artest's comments. Uh, when asked at one point who the toughest player for him to guard in the Western Conference was, Kobe said Roy 365 days, seven days a week. Roy has no weaknesses in his game. That's an exact quote. That is the highest compliment you could get from one of the best players in the league. And since we're talking about B-Roy, who won Rookie of the Year and was a three-time All-Star, we cannot forget his final bow. Brandon Roy! Brandon Roy, the three, counted! And there's a foul! And a chance to tie it! Wow! What a shot by Brandon Roy and the foul. A chance for a four-point play, Matt, here to tie up this game. That was the game-tying basket that Roy hit against the Mavericks in April of 2011. Go back and watch that game four against Dallas when Roy dropped 18 alone in the fourth quarter. It's going to give you goosebumps just like it gave me. I'm actually just sitting here getting goosebumps talking about it. I was there that day, and I will never forget how loud the Rose Garden got. It was insane. The Blazers down by 23, and he put the team on his back and led them to a comeback win. It may have been the final chapter of big game moments for Roy, but that performance alone should guarantee his number seven gets hung in the Raptors. So, yes, absolutely, he should have his number seven retired. He almost single-handedly turned the franchise around and took it out of the depths of irrelevance, really. They have to retire that number. They have to. If Dave Twardzik and Larry Steele's numbers are in the rafters, not anything personal against them. I just don't think that they really did enough in the grand scope of things to have their numbers retired. Brandon Roy's number seven should join them as well. 
Brandon Roy meant everything and more to the franchise and its fans, and there would be no better tribute than to give him his due and retire that number seven. Uh, please, once again, go read Jason Quick's piece from The Athletic. I'll be sure to retweet it. Just follow On The Air Jordan with an O. Well, that's a wrap on episode three of Believe in Trailblazers. Once again, if you have any burning questions about the team you want answered on the show or you think I'm crazy, hit me up on Twitter, on the air, Jordan, with an O. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Please give the show a five-star rating. You'll really be helping me out and getting that random algorithm to show this to as many listeners as possible. You can also find the show at Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, and Believe Podcasts on Twitter. If you really enjoy the show, please tell all your friends and your fellow fans about the newest Blazers podcast on the blog. If you're interested in advertising on the show as well, please contact us at Believe.com. That's all for now, Portland fans. I'm Jordan Schultz, and I'll talk to you next week. Rip City, baby. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.